joy, peace, tranquility, vibrancy, and wellness. Isn't this what you want instead of constant stress? That's what host Rochelle Lawson is going to help you with on Blissful Living. There are many ways to reduce stress, some you may not even know about. Doesn't a little peace and tranquility sound like just what you've been looking for? Relax for a few minutes with Rochelle. She's the queen of feeling fabulous. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Blissful Living. I am Rochelle Lawson, the queen of feeling fabulous, your awesome host for this show today. And today my guest is Kim Ades, and she is the president and founder of Frame of Mind Coaching and Journal Engine Software. She's an author, a speaker, entrepreneur, coach, and, of course, a mom of five. And she's one of the experts on performance through uh, thought management. And what she does is um, by using her unique process of coaching through journaling, she works with high-profile clients to unveil and switch their thought patterns to ignite significant organizational change and personal transformation. Doesn't that sound lovely? And so without getting too much into what uh, I usually do is talk too much, we're just going to begin and jump right in with Kim. Welcome to the show. Kim, how are you? I'm great, and it's uh, really exciting to be here. I'm I'm looking forward to this. Well, we are so happy to have you on the show because I know out there in our listening world, people have, um, you know, peak curiosity with regards to how they can improve their performance and, of course, do it without stressing out while they're doing it. And so it's always nice to have someone on that is an expert in that arena that can help us uh, be better, do better, feel better, and, of course, perform better. So um, thank you for being a guest on the show today. It's a pleasure. Now, we're just going to jump right in. Uh, oh, listening world out there, my, my fabulous listeners, you may want to pull, pull out a pen and a piece of paper and sit back and relax if you can. And you might want to take notes because I'm sure Kim is going to give us some information that we'll be able to utilize. But if we don't take notes, sometimes we forget. And so it's always good to have notes to refer back to. And, of course, you can always listen again to the show later when it's broadcasted. Um, but also I want to let you guys know that I will be mentioning a couple of uh, really yummy, blissful living suggestions that I like to make um, in the middle of the show. So hang tight, get your favorite beverage if you can, and sit back and relax and enjoy what Kim is going to uh, share with us. And so, Kim, tell us. Now, this um, this building emotional resilience, that sounds really interesting. Can you tell us exactly what that is? Okay, so here's what emotional resilience is. Um, Emotional resilience is the ability to bounce back from adversity with speed and agility and even leverage a negative experience or, uh, or, or an experience that was difficult. So lots of things happen to us. We all experience negative things. Nobody escapes from that. It could be that we got fired from a job. It could be that someone in our family is sick. It could be that uh, we have a relationship that just came to a you know, kind of uh, emotional end. 
Uh, and the question is, what do we do with those experiences? Those people who have a high degree of emotional resilience are able to understand what they're about, those experiences, able to have a certain perspective that enables them to leverage the adversity and move forward from it with a significant amount of speed, grace, agility, and, and, and acceptance of those negative experiences. Now, is there a um, is there a let me let me I'm just going to backtrack a little bit. Is there something that someone should know uh, that could let me see if someone is going through a different difficult time? Say, I'm just going to say maybe a breakup, an emotional breakup, you know, from um, a loved one or you know, a partner, spouse, something like that. Is there a process that you know they go through? Or are they, yeah, let me just, I'm going to, is there a process that they go through to become emotional resilient or is it something that most people naturally have and it just has to be dug out and resurfaced for them? Well, you know, let's back up even more. So you say someone goes through an emotional breakup. Okay, so what makes a breakup emotional? What isn't a breakup perhaps a happy event or an event where it's an indicator or a moment in time when you're actually moving forward into something better? What makes it emotional? What makes it emotional and heartbreaking is the story you tell about it. It's, it's your interpretation of that event. It's, it's, you know, people feel heartbreak over breakups because they think, well, the person doesn't love me anymore. I'm unlovable or uh, I don't know how to be in a relationship or, you know, the person didn't treat me well or whatever it is, right? It's that story that we tell. And that story we tell is what causes the emotion. So the way we think about any event creates distress or creates freedom. And so what we do in terms of helping people build their emotional resilience is experience the emotion, but try to understand where the, the emotion is coming from. And any emotion comes from your your perception of the event or the, your perception of what's happening in front of you, the thoughts you have and the beliefs you have about what's going on. So, you know, we've all had people that have um, had a breakup um, and it wasn't necessarily a bad thing, so to speak. Say they may, may they may have been the person to in a relationship. Yep. But yet and still I still see sometimes these people, you know, in this really deep, dark place, even though they were the ones that initiated the breakup because it was something that they wanted. What's that about? Okay. So I mean it's not a horrible thing to be in a deep dark place. It's not a horrible thing to have feelings. But understand that the feelings come from a series of thoughts. So I mean, let's take some guesses. I don't know. Every person is different. So what are some guesses about what those deep, dark emotions are about? They are perceiving, they are uh, processing the event in such a way that creates deep, dark feelings. So some things might be, um, you know, I'm not worthy of being in a relationship with someone who is a good match for me, or there's nobody out there for me, or why did I stay so long in a relationship that was abusive? What's wrong with me? Or so there's a story that they tell that create the deep dark. Even though they know maybe this is best for me, they're still telling that story that keeps them in that dark place. Oh, okay. So it seems like the emotions are really tied to uh, the story behind 
whatever the event is. Exactly. So the way we interpret what's happening and the beliefs that are wrapped up in, in that story create our experiences. So let's take something simpler, something simpler than a breakup. Have you ever watched American Idol? Mm, no. Okay, well, but we know how these shows work, right? Like, yeah. you know, t- 10 people are selected, and at the end, you know, 9 out of the 10 people get kicked off the show. One person wins the grand prize. And so every single time a person gets kicked off the show, I mean, it's happened to hundreds of other people in the past. Same event, right? happening to person over person, but each person is responding and reacting to it differently. Some people completely break down like it's the worst thing that ever happened to them. Some people rise to the occasion. Some people realize they just had like the ex- an experience of their lifetime and their career is about to absolutely explode. And so the interpretation of the event, what it means about them, I'm terrible, I'm awful, I'm not good enough, creates the emotion. Mm, okay, you know, I, 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 not a, you know, I haven't really watched American Idol, so I, I mean, but I know how the show works and all that. But I can see in a, in another context where, you know, you have these young girls that want to be models, and um, you know, they may have an agent or they may not, and they're going around to different, I'm gonna say agencies or maybe different castings, and they're being rejected, you know solely on their physical appearance. But the person or the girl is taking it, you know, sometimes they get it and it's like, okay, they just blow it off. And then other girls take it. And, and guys too, I shouldn't say just girls, but I, I, this is what I see mostly with the girls. They take it and they internalize it and then they say, well, God, I wasn't good enough. But I guess in reality, what they don't realize is that the person doing the casting is looking for a specific body type, and it doesn't really mean that that person wasn't good enough. It just means that they didn't fit what that person was looking for that they wanted to hire. So um, I can well, see okay. how it is. So, so that yeah. is certainly one interpretation. I didn't fit this casting director's exact image. That is one possibility. That is one interpretation. But let's even go further. Let's go to the worst place. The worst place is... I'm not cut out for modeling. Okay, well, here's what happens that causes the problem. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'm not, you know, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not whatever. And so they they attribute their entire value to that measurement, which somebody else created. And that's where the problem begins. So we're not all meant for any everything. Like I'm certainly, I'll never be a ballerina, right? I'm not designed <laughs> for that. Right. And so and I'm okay with it. That doesn't bother me. It doesn't hurt me. It doesn't run me down. It doesn't make me feel terrible about myself. Right. Right. Because is it more is it more like, okay, so is it like, okay, so it's a perception of how you you receive the information, whatever it may be. I want to say an emotional perception. Is Am I on the right track there? Yeah, it's an emotional perception, but it's also what you make it mean about you. So if you know, George at, you know, the, at the studio who didn't accept me as the top model of the world didn't accept me. What does that mean about me? Does it mean I'm horrible? Does it mean I'm ugly? Does it mean I'm never going to have a modeling career? What does it mean? And the story I tell determines my experience of that event. It, it also determines how I function in the world because what I think about me and what I allow things to mean about me will have an impact on how I show up everywhere. Right. 
right? And so when, mm-hmm. when we coach people, we want to understand how they think. We want to understand what they believe to be true about themselves and the world around them. We want to understand um, what guides them and what runs their belief systems. And when we understand that, we, and we know we all have beliefs that simply don't serve us, we want to bring those to light. We want to really, really bring them forward and challenge them so let's take this example of, of the guy who's, who rejected her, right? So is it mm-hmm. true that just because he rejected you, there's no chance of you becoming a model? No, that's not true. Is it true that just because he rejected you that you're not model material? No, it's not true. So what is true? You right? just weren't what he was looking for at that moment in time. <laughs> Perhaps. And it could be that she's not model material, but so what? Who cares? Maybe she's she's designed for something else that's even more interesting and grander and wonderful. And Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, so let's take this example or this emotional um, resilience to the corporate world. So you have, you know, in the corporate arena – all different kinds of personalities, just like in everything. But it's a little bit different because it's business, corporate, you're supposed to be professional. And, you know, you have these people that work their fannies off and can never get the accolades. They do wonderful jobs, and, they, and, you know, they're always being browbeaten down by their boss, no matter how good they do, how well they perform, how quick they do it, how successful, whatever it is they're doing, it's never good enough for their boss. What would you tell those people with regards to um, being emotional resilient? Okay, so let's look at the, one of the basic principles of frame of mind coaching. So the way you feel is a function of the way you think. It's not a function of what's happening out there. It's not a function of what other people say or do. It's not a function of how other people think of you. Your well-being, your state of mind, your happiness is dependent on your thoughts. And when you're unhappy because your boss maybe gives you a little constructive criticism or says you're not doing it right or whatever, it's your interpretation of his words that cause you unhappiness, not actually his words. Mm. So what, what we do is we teach people to start being aware of the way they process things, the way they receive things, the way they interpret things. We ask people to start becoming aware of their beliefs around the events that are taking place, like the boss browbeating them. Oh. Okay, so, you know, we were just talking about the guy who rejected you. So what does it mean about you? Does it mean you're lousy at this job? Does it mean you have no value? Does it mean that you're not skilled? What does it mean? What is the story you're telling? And that story is what causes unhappiness or misery. It's not the actual event that's taking place. Oh, okay. So out there in the listening world, I hope you got that one because um, I know it's it's really important for you to maintain emotional resilience. And we didn't know what that word was until right, you know, talking to Kim today. But um, I know this happens a lot in the corporate arena, and um, and and it does cause a lot of internal stress when you're thinking. You know, you're getting browbeaten down. But just remember what Kim said. It's all about how you interpret what is being said. And so so moving on with the interpretation, is there anything that people can do to not take this stuff um, so personally and, inter- and internalize it so that it becomes a negative thing within them versus positive? 
Okay, so what I do is I help people to understand this relationship between their thinking and their feelings. So when you feel bad, it's an indication that your thoughts are really pointing away from what you want for yourself, right? So, so when I feel rejected, when I feel frustrated, mad, bad, sad, uh, pissed off at the world, whatever, all those negative feelings are an indicator that the, what my thinking is actually moving away from what I want for myself, and it's causing this misalignment. Okay, so all we want people to do is be aware first of how they feel. Oh, I don't feel good. Okay, I notice I don't feel good, and I'm using the event out there as my reason for not feeling good. What we do is we teach people not to use the event out there. We say, okay, so it's not that thing out there that's causing you to feel bad. It's your thinking. What can I do to change my thinking a little bit to feel just a little bit better? Not a lot better, just a little bit better. What thought can I trade up that will allow me to feel a little bit better? Hmm. Okay, so let's go back to the example of the model that you used. One thought okay. that will help me feel a little bit better is I'm not a perfect match for this particular casting agent. That's one thought. Okay, I can live with that. Right? And so we teach people to actively trade up their thoughts for something more powerful and more aligned with what their goals and their desires. I'm writing this down. <laughs> <laughs> um that's great. That is that's that's I mean I think it's I think what you just said is like a really important uh component of just not allowing external things to create this internal ter- turmoil emotionally for you. Just that's by right. being aware of that's you right. know of how you feel and then trading that thought up for something positive. Now is there a step or, or are there steps that, you know, because people, I know I've come across people that say, oh, you just need to change the way you're thinking or, you know, yeah. or, but if someone has been stuck thinking like this for a long period of time, telling someone that you just need to change the way you're thinking, they're like, well, what the heck is that? Well, how do I do that? Yeah, that's a great, great question. Um, so, so let's kind of break it down. The first thing is that most people aren't even aware of what they're thinking or what they believe to be true. I like the word believe exactly. because our beliefs kind of exist at a, at a deeper level, at an unconscious level very often. And so what I do is when I coach people, I want them to journal and I ask them questions. And those questions are designed to bring forward their beliefs. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. Yeah. And so I'll give you a perfect example. The other day I was uh, coaching someone who's, he, he owns a, a hardware store, and he was talking about the people who come into the hardware store and steal things. You know, they put things in their pockets, $10 items in their pockets, and they, and they walk away. And in his journal, in his writing, he said, you know, I despise thieves. Well, is despising anyone or anything a positive or negative emotion? Well, I would say it was negative. Right. It's very negative. It's, it's in fact, not only mildly negative, it's strongly negative. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, is that aligned with who he is and where he wants to go in life? Not at all. And he's using the, the thieves as his excuse, his reason, and in his mind it's a very good reason, right, to feel those negative feelings. Like he's completely giving up responsibility for the way he feels. 
by saying, well, I have a good reason. They're stealing my stuff, and that makes me mad. <laughs> right? And right. so the first thing we do is say, what do you believe to be true about thieves? And are your beliefs actually valid, and do they serve you? And, I, and then what I did is I said, well, what if your kid stole something? Would you despise them? And he said, no. Why not? Because I love my kids. How interesting. So you don't despise thieves. Right. Right? Oh, and so what uh-huh. we do is we simply explore the idea and we challenge the beliefs. We challenge, we, we, try to, we try to break it down into something much more simple, something much more uh, um, kind of less charged with negative energy. Hmm. I like that. I like that. So it's the it's the less charged, it's the less negative charge um, that allows you to possibly cross over into just maybe a little bit of the positive charge. Well, yeah, right. So we want to continue kind of uh, moving from an intense negative emotion to a less intense negative emotion to an even less intense negative emotion to perhaps a neutral emotion to perhaps a positive emotion. And so uh, the idea is to bring someone through all these steps. And so where do we get to a positive emotion? We get to a positive emotion where we say, hmm, I wonder why this person is stealing anything. What's up with that? That's really interesting. It's fascinating. I'm curious. So it's not that I want him to get away with it, but I've moved from being despi- from despising, from the feeling of, of despising, despise, to the feeling of curiosity. Is curiosity a positive feeling? I think so, yeah. Sure it so. is. You know, if yeah. your kid stole something, you'd say, well, why did you do that? What right. were you thinking? Exactly. Right. And they'd say, "Well, because I wanted it, and I didn't have you wouldn't give me no money and <laughs> or or something altogether different, right? We don't know but but imagine if we can look at a thief that's standing there in front of us and just be curious, how would that change things? How would the dynamic change? How would my emotional state change and and you know how would I function in the world would i would I walk around with the feeling of hatred and despising? No." No. Would I be more at peace with the world? Yes. And I'm going to say one more thing that's a little bit um, out there. When you stop hating the thieves, fewer thieves show up. Ah, repeat that one again. When you stop despising the thieves, fewer thieves show up. That statement right there is powerful. I think right. that is like just the clicker for anyone listening on the, on the, um, you know, listening today. Well, that that if you don't take anything else, you got to take that one way, and you can apply that to any context in any area of your life. When you stop despising, hating, whatever it is, fewer of that shows up. Right, That's less beautiful. of that shows up. Beautiful. So now. You have these people, and, and you're, you're helping them to understand what emotional resilience is and helping them to build emotional resilience and, and helping them to up-level their thinking, so to speak. And one of the things you mentioned that you do with them is journaling. Let's dwell into or dive into journaling because I, I love to journal and um, use it for all – I have different journals for different things. Um, but – 
tell the listeners about journaling and how how you know how yeah just tell them a little bit about journaling let's start there. so so why do i as a coach why do i ask my clients to journal because when i can start to understand how they think on a day-to-day basis i can start to piece together and uncover the beliefs that cause them so much trouble the beliefs that paralyze them and and really interfere with their ability to reach their goals, to live happy lives, to have healthy, strong relationships, I can start to see that with clarity. And as a coach, it's important for me to find those beliefs quickly, shed some light on them, and, you know, to some degree, just obliterate them, right? Um, Right. and, And so that's why I ask my clients to journal. As they journal, I'm literally collecting data that allows me to identify the beliefs that really take center stage over their lives. But then let's look at it from a client's standpoint. Why do clients journal and what does it do for them? Number one is, A, they get to express themselves. And, you know, I don't know anyone who spends um, enough time really self-reflecting. I don't know anyone who has a chance to truly, truly express themselves in an ongoing basis, in an ongoing manner, where somebody else on the other end is actually interested and paying attention and wants to go to that depth. So they get a chance to express themselves. They get a chance to self-reflect. They get a chance to really understand their thinking and how their thinking affects them positively and negatively. And they get a chance to learn the skills of building their emotional resilience, which is to start to understand what is it that I believe about this, this subject. And when I see that my beliefs really aren't aligned with what I want, I now have the ability, the tools, the muscle to start to shift those beliefs into something new. So does the journaling, um, let me, okay, so as a person, as you're working with a person and they're, they're journaling, because you know you can just let it free flow when you're writing, do you yep. actually read what, do, are they, do, you, do they bring back their journal and give it to you and you read? Okay, what so, so, so let me, <laughs> yeah, good question. Um, what I do is I actually don't see my clients in person. I do it all on the phone and in an uh-huh. online, in a private online journal called Journal Engine, right? Um, and so what they do is they go online and they journal in this private secure space. And normally what they get is every week they get a new journaling question and they read the question and they write their answer in a journal format. And then I read their journal and I ask more questions. So it's like we have a dialogue going on every single day in between calls. So when I coach people, I begin with a 10-week coaching period. There's a call once a week for 10 weeks. And in between every call, I ask them to journal every single day for the duration of the coaching period. And so there's a lot of contact. So they're having this very intense, intimate experience where they are literally exploring their thoughts for 70 straight days. Can you imagine how much insight they gain? Wow. Crazy, yeah. right? Yeah, um, yeah. And it's and it's not that they're just doing it on their own. They're doing it with a a guide who is uh, experienced and adept at reading and sorting through their thoughts to quickly identify what's important and what's causing trouble for them. Mm. 
I like that. So they're a now is it is now can they go back and and see from like say journal entry number one to journal yeah. to the last journal entry? Can they go back and see their transition or their oh, transformation? Yeah. Yes, and we encourage them really to do powerful. that. For sure. What we do is we, I actually say go back and read your journal on week one. Like look at how much you've changed. Look at how much you've like how much more responsible you are about your thinking, how much happy you are. Like one of the things that happens with my clients is, is after a while, they start walking differently. They, they're talking differently. They're glowing. They have a glow about them. And people say, what happened to you? Like <laughs> they start, um, people start telling them, you're so inspiring. Like that's a very common message that my clients all of a sudden receive. And, and so what happens is their disposition starts to shift. They start to be like a source of light in their environment. Mm, that's beautiful. So it's almost like they go to, I'm going to say, an emotional resilience workout gym. <laughs> yeah. And they, you know, they start off kind of all fat and fluffy and no muscular tone and, you know, just that, that, that's just how they are. And as they go through this process, at the end of the process, they've got, you know, these muscles and they're, they're not fat and fluffy no more. They're tight in tones and they look good and they're inspiring to others. And they're like this beacon of light, you know, at the end. Well, before they may have been like a little, like I want to say Schroeder, have this cloud of darkness following <laughs> them around. Yeah. Um, I bet that's so beautiful to see. Well, that's exactly what happens. And and what I'm interested in, like people come and they say, well, I want to achieve this. I want to increase my revenue. I want to have a better relationship. I want to have all these tangible things. And I say, okay, let's make sure we get that done. But in order to get that done, I'm really concerned about your mindset. And when your mindset starts to shift and increase in quality, all those things, other things that they want just start to naturally unfold. So I never have to work on those things directly. I have to work on their thinking around those things. So a lot of coaches out there, you know, if I go to a coach and I say, I want more revenue, they say, okay, well, let's look at your business strategy. And that's not necessarily the right approach because, you know, it's kind of like weight loss, right? What's, what's a strategy for weight loss? Burn more than you consume. There's your strategy. It's not rocket science. <laughs> why does, why do so many people struggle with it? Because it's not about the strategy. It's about their beliefs around who they are and how they show up that caused the problem. True. Now, now let me ask you, because oh, you know what? This is, I'm sorry. We're, listeners out there, stay tuned. Keep, keep, hang on with us. This is the time of the show that I, I have to acknowledge our, our wonderful sponsors. And the um, sponsor that I want to acknowledge at this time is my fabulous sponsor called 21 Drops. It is a wonderful, wonderful company in that if you're looking for the most therapeutic, highly grade essential oil blends, then 21 Drops is your place to go. And the reason why I just fell in love with 21 Drops is because I was looking for a blend for my uh, client and couldn't find it and came across 21 Drops. And I like their philosophy and I like what they believe about essential oils. Now, essential oils are the root of it all and they benefit the mind, body, and spirit these are highly fragrant, highly concentrated molecules that are extracted from the plant, and they come from various parts of the plant. So this, this highly uh, 
beautiful smelling of organic essential oil comes from the leaves, the fruit, the wood, the seeds, and the flower of the plant. But what's interesting is these essential oils represent a critical part of both the plant's immune system and the survival mechanisms of the plant. Now, what makes that really beautiful for us is because man and plants have evolved alongside each other for so many eons of years, we have the same chemistry. And once these essential oils that are extracted from the various aspects of the plants are either inhaled or absorbed into the bloodstream, they interact with our body. And what they do is create this beautiful balance and wellness within us. And that, my friends, is the science behind aromatherapy. That is the principle that aromatherapy is based upon. Essential oils are very powerful, very subtle. Now, at 21 Drops, their essential oils are organically grown, are, are, are from organically grown herbs and plants, and they get their herbs and plants from all over the world, they result in, when you use the best, highest quality sources for herbs and plants and, and extracting essential oils, you get the most beneficial, highly therapeutic grade of essential oils. And these essential oils that are selected by 21 Drops are fused to create the most customized solutions to answer each and every one of their 21 blends that they have specifically unique that can take care of anything from headache to heartache. So 21 Drops believes in capturing this incredible power of these pure essential oils for a couple of reasons. They want to be able to empower their friends and their customers to feel better and be better. So they specifically have chosen these these specific blends that they know that are organically grown and crafted from artisans all around the world just to bring them to you, to me, to all of us, to help us be balanced and have wellness and, and live that wonderful life that we so desire. So if you're looking for that specific blend of essential oil or if you're just looking for essential oils or you just want to dive in to play with essential oils and find out more about them, I highly recommend that you go to 21drops.com. That's the number 21, the word drops, with an S, dot com. 21drops.com is your source for one of the highest quality, organically therapeutic grade of essential oils. Check it out, 21drops.com. Now back to Kim. Kim, um, with regards to to the journaling, because I really, really like to journal. And it's, I've, I, it's, I've always kept a journal, or as we called it when I was a little girl, a diary. Right. Um, seeing where, you know, uh, your thought processes are at a certain period of time in your life can be really scary because sometimes you don't even realize that you're in those type of places. And then seeing how you evolve can be really uplifting because you realize I was in this spot and now I'm in this spot and it's total different energy. How would you how would you let me see, what's the what's the how how can I phrase this question? With regards to people dealing working in the corporate arena um and wanting to get from, you know, flabby to tone and tight with their emotional resilience. Is there anything with regards to, in the context of journaling, that you ask them to do outside of what they're doing when they're working with you? Yeah, okay. So 
um, when when they are working with me, it's really this dialogue that's happening. So I give them questions every week. They respond to the questions. When they respond, I read and reply. And there's this uh, back and forth conversation that's taking place. And the back and forth conversation allows us to get very deep very quickly and allows us to get to the source of their beliefs. After, after they're done coaching, they say, well, I want to keep journaling. And I say, you should keep journaling. It's a great exercise. And, and really the journaling process, I mean, I give people some, some, a little bit of direction on this. And I say, here's what you do when you journal. Your journal is there not only to help you uncover your beliefs. Your journal is there to help you design your life, to help point you in the right direction. So a couple minutes ago, we talked about the thieves, right? When you despise the mm-hmm. thieves, more thieves show up. When you, when you stop despising the, sh- the thieves, fewer thieves show up. And so really it's about where are you focusing your attention? And the concept is what you focus on grows. So what are you focusing on? When you focus on what you want instead of what you don't want, what you want comes your way with greater speed. And so the idea of journaling is outside of the coaching kind of setup is dump, dump, and then dump the dump. So what, so what is that? It means express yourself, write, write whatever's on your mind. When you think you're done, keep going. Like get it all out. You know, like really, if you're, if you're upset or angry or disappointed or whatever, write that down. It's okay to have feelings. It's not about not having feelings. It's about working through them and moving them to another place as quickly as you can. And so write down what's going on. And, and again, when, you're, when you think you're done, just keep going. And then at that point, you know, what you want to do is you want to write one sentence that allows you to pivot, turn your attention to what it is that you want. And the line often is, I'm ready to turn myself around. Mm. Okay? And, and in, that, in that moment, the next part of your journal is all about, here's what I want. Here's what I'd rather have. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to put my attention on. Here's what I'm going to eliminate. Here's what I'm going to focus on. Here's what I want for myself. And so you're leaving your journal clear and clean with a direction and a focus about where to put your head. It doesn't always have to be action-based. It can be. It doesn't have to be. But what you're doing is you're letting go of the negative feeling and focusing on what it is that you want rather than what you don't. Mm, I like that because I like I can feel the shift. You know what I mean? It um just by by what you were saying. Now do you ever come across people that um are resistant to journaling? Well, um you know <laughs> It's kind of like this, you know, I'm a coach, they come to me and they know that part of coaching with me will include journaling. Are some mm-hmm. people kind of more willing to jump in and roll up their sleeves and journal two, three times a day? Yes. Are other people, you know, they, they're slower with it? Sure. They still journal. And here's why. It's kind of like, you know, let's say you're not feeling well and you go to a doctor. You say, doctor, you know, I'm not really feeling well. I'm not sure what's up. I don't feel well. And the doctor says, okay, well, I need you to take a blood test. Is everybody willing to take a blood test and jump in with excitement? No, but they still do it because they know that that's what the doctor needs in order to help them. And it's the same kind of concept here. They know that this is part of the process, and they also know that the more they journal, the faster their progress. Right? It's just like this unbelievably magical tool that moves people. It accelerates their progress in in a shocking manner. So it's kind of like exercise. I mean, it's kind of like weight loss. 
you know you need to you know you need to eat less and and step up your activity in order to lose weight and um and then when you start doing it, you see fabulous results. But if you don't do that, then the re- results may be slower. You may not experience what you're trying to achieve. And with journaling, you know, when you do that, it seems like you get to see where you are. You get to ex- First of all, you get to get it all out. You get to express it without fear of being judged because it's just you and you writing the paper or the computer or whatever, Right. That's right. So I think that's definitely a sense of relief for people. They can do it and know that it's just going to – and you feel so much better when you get it out. I mean, there's times that I've journaled and I've been pissed off at my husband to, to the hilt, you know, and I just go and, you know, just go and journal and write, write it all out on paper and, you know, don't hold back. I don't hold back. But at the end of it, I feel so good. I feel this sense of relief. I have no stress. And I didn't say something to him that I may have said out of just being angry and, and in, out of context that would right. be really hurtful. And right. so then I'm not hurting someone else in, as well as keeping that, you know, fire, flame, fuel on that fire burning because it's just out there. It's, it's, I guess it's just what you, that's what you're saying, right? Well, I, I, I'm going to put it in a few ways. I'm going to leverage that vision, that, that picture that you had. But that's it. Like you have these intense emotions. And those intense emotions sometimes cause you to do and say things or not do and say things that, that you should be doing or not doing. And what it does is it reduces the pressure. It releases that intensity. And when the intensity is released and your mind is clear, you're able to make better, stronger, more uh, more empowered decisions. So, so, I mean, certainly that's part of it. The second part of it is, you know, the world out there says, oh, meditation is very healthy. But how many of us can really meditate? It's difficult, right? And so what does journaling do? Journaling is a form of meditation. It slows down the mind because the mind is working faster than the rate of writing, even if you're typing. And so what, what literally happens is as you are typing or writing, your mind slows down and you create space in between letters and between words, and that is the space that you need. That's a meditative space. And so there's a therapeutic effect that, that happens when you are writing. Mm. I like that. I mean, I, I you know, I'm, I'm all in. I'm, <laughs> right. I'm and, all in like that kid wanting that first piece of birthday cake. I'm all into this. So Right. And and let I mean, here's an interesting thing, right? Like when we were born, when we were little and kids, we weren't taught to meditate, but we were taught to write. We were taught our letters and we were encouraged to do writing. And mm-hmm. and so that is something that comes much more naturally to us. True. Very true. And I mean you do you you just avoid so much by being able to express yourself without holding back. You know, as I say, no holds bar um, when you're journaling and, and or writing. You know, it, whether computer or on physical paper, it's just it, it's just um, a phenomenal tool. So you guys out there listening, now if you've been listening to the show for a while, you obviously I know have picked up a lot of different tools and techniques to help you reduce your stress in your life. But this one by far. This one by far is one of my favorites because it's what I practice. And it has a tremendous, I I can't even describe it to you here on air, how beneficial it will be to your stress, release, reduction, relief, elimination. It has 
powerful, powerful, powerful benefits beyond what we can even begin to get you to understand. Just try it. I mean, you know, that's why Kim is, is on the show because I knew this would be a phenomenal thing to bring to you guys. And, of course, she's a phenomenal expert on it. And so, you know, here we are. So now, Kim, with regards to, um, you know, journaling and um, changing someone's emotional resilience, um, once a person starts to do this, how long before they actually begin to see a little shift in their mindset? Right away. Oh. Right away. Like, it's crazy. Right away. You know, like, I'll give you an example. Yesterday I coached uh, this gentleman for the first time. I had never coached him before. It was our first coaching call. And, and you could see the shift in his journal immediately after the call. Right? Like, he was lighter. It was evident. You know, he showed up on the call heavy emotionally heavy, mentally heavy, tired, you know, like the weight of the world was on his shoulders. He Mm -hmm. had stress, he had guilt, he had all kinds of things going on, right? And immediately you start to see that the weight has been lifted. Not completely, we just started, but the, the impact is immediate. So instead of him having that 5,000 pounds on his shoulders, he may only have 4,000 pounds. Or maybe two. <laughs> <laughs> but it definitely was a lighter load for him. And lighter, so sure way lighter. You, yeah, by the time you guys are done, his shoulders will be light as feathers. Yeah. So, and, and I mean, I could hear it by the end of the call. I could see it in the journal. And in this case, um, you know, there was anecdotal evidence from people around him that noticed the shift. Wow. So now I want to go back to what you said in terms of journaling, reducing stress. Um, I mean, there have been studies to prove this. They did a study on students, and they said students who journal before an exam do better on an exam. I wish I would have known that when I was in school. (laughs) And and the reason is they go into the exam with a little bit less anxiety, a little bit less stress. So, listeners, if you have kids out there that are school age or in school, especially those junior high, or I, I guess it's middle school now, I'm dating myself when I say junior high school, um, or high school, and they have any kind of test anxiety or or whatever, have them try this and, and watch. Just watch the magnificence that's going to evolve from them just trying this little exercise that she just mentioned. Or if you have college-age kids or if you yourself as a student, Try this for yourself and see what happens. I bet, I bet Kim is like, you know, batting a thousand right now. You will see a significant change in what what happens with you. That's, wow. I wish I would have had that for my kids when. But it's not only that, right? It's not only for people who have stress. It's it's people who, uh, not for people who have tests only. It's any time you're about to perform something, any time something is really important, like if you're doing a presentation or like there is something big coming up for you that creates a little bit of nervousness or anxiety, you know, just to take a couple minutes, you know, five, ten minutes, and and do some journaling and just release that, release that chaotic, tense uh, energy. Mm. 
I, I that that is another golden tip. I mean, just within the context of journaling, how to use journaling in different aspects of our lives to help us, you know, be better, feel better, do better with less stress is 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 so golden. And I would say to you corporate executives out there, if you get ready to go into a meeting or negotiations or whatever the case may be, take Kim's suggestion and just try it. And then see yeah. how you feel like on the other side. I bet you will you will have profound difference, a different experience than prior to you utilizing the journaling. A huge, huge difference. I mean, I use it before really big presentations, and it makes a world of difference. A world of difference. Mm, I'm going to try it. I'm going. I'm going to. Try. I mean, I journal, but I've never used it in that context. So I'm going to try it the next. Um, time I have to speak, which is next week, I'm going to, to try it and, and see. I mean, I always have a good time, but um, I always like to try things that's going to help me just be a lot more grounded and have less anxiety. I mean, because we all get that. I mean, I don't think there's anyone in the world that walks around anxiety-free. You right, all have exactly. some type of anxiety, whether that cop pulls up behind you and you think they're going to pull you over <laughs> or, right. you know, or you're walking across the street and a car is, you know, you see a car zooming, whatever the case may be, we all experience some type of anxiety and stress. And the more tools we have to align us to be just that much more better and grounded and stress-free is all, all, always all good. Good for our That's hearts, right. good for our mind, good for our bodies and our soul. Now, do you use any of this? Um, well, let me, let me I want to I touch on the, the children a little bit. <laughs> do you teach or how would you teach a child to be emotional resilient? And what age would you start that at? Oh, you started from the get-go. So, so I mean, um, I think a lot of parents are very confused uh, about their role as parents. Mm-hmm. I agree. Especially okay, nowadays. so, they, you know, if you say, well, what's your job as a parent? They say, well, my job is to discipline, my job is to, you know, guide and educate, et cetera. And so they take on this role like they're the teacher. And the truth is that your kids are really there, and, and they give you the opportunity to learn and grow. They become the teacher if you view them that way. And so, and so let's, let's for a minute say you are not, your job is not to discipline your kids. Your job is to help your kids self-manage. Your job is to help your kids identify and see the best in themselves and leverage that best thing. That's your job. And so your job is to role model that self-management. So if you're upset and you freak out, you're teaching your kid to freak out when they're upset. And so your biggest job as a parent is to demonstrate and practice self-management, which is the process of building emotional resilience. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two is your job as a parent is to focus on and identify what's right and good about your kid. So we think that as parents, our job is to correct our children when they say and do things that aren't right. And that's not our job. You know, the world has plenty of, 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 of correction to offer your children. You know, and so what we often do as parents is step in and manage them. We take over quite a bit. And I urge parents to step back and encourage your children at a very young age to be more independent. You can do it yourself. You can do it. 
here, take the fork. You can, you can feed yourself. Oh, but he's going to make a mess. That's okay. He'll make a little bit of a less mess next time. Right. Part of learning. And so be okay with the learning bumps that your kid is going through. (laughs) Allow the world, uh, the world's natural order to teach them lessons. Be by their side. Identify the things that are right and good in your child and allow and help them to learn from their experience, experiences. And more than anything, help them see themselves in a way that is empowered. So when something goes wrong and bad, they can quickly pivot their mind. They can quickly trade up and they can quickly rebound from negative experiences. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that piece of information. My kids are grown, so, um, you know, um, and I and I did what you said. I mean, I kind of did what you said. I let them learn and be and experience and, you know, without micromanaging their life because I know that there was a certain point in time that I'm not going to be there and they've got to be able to handle themselves responsibly, independently, without somebody micromanaging every aspect of their life. And, yes, they're going to make mistakes, and, yes, they're going to do things that you don't like, but, um, you know, that's just part of life. I'm sure we all did that for, to our parents, too. Um, but that's, I like that. That's beautiful because if you can start when they're really young, helping them to build emotional resilience, when they get to those junior high, I'm sorry, middle school years, when they get to those middle school years, when the kids are the cruelest that they can be, your child will be so much better equipped to handle that. And I so heartily, firmly believe that. I've seen it, and I've seen the kids that are emotional resilient, and I've seen the kids that are not. And how they end up is definitely on two different paths for sure. Two different paths. And and really what you want to do is you want to raise kids who are well adjusted, who are happy, who are who are comfortable in their own skin, who are proud of themselves, who are contributing and kind to others, and who engage in really positive, healthy relationships and leverage their best selves in order to provide, to serve the world. I mean that's what you want for your kids. Mm-hmm. And very often what we do is we take over control and remove their ability to self manage. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's counterintuitive. It's completely counterintuitive. That's what we've been taught to do. Yeah, and, and, and you guys, you know, she's so right. I mean, when you do that, just think it creates less stress for you as a parent when you know that you're doing this in, in creating, helping your child to be emotional resilient as they grow up. You won't have all that drama that comes with just growing up. Um, it'll be so much less stressful to you. Um, and again, it's just a beautiful, beautiful process that Kim is talking about here. And, it, it, and it's so needed in our world today. It just is so needed. That's why she has so many clients that come to her because it, it, we're all so kind of messed up a little bit, you know, from things that have happened. <laughs> hey, here's the other thing, right? Like, I can't tell you how many people I coach, like even the most accomplished individuals. I I coach very highly driven individuals, people who have achieved incredible things in this lifetime. Even they have a significant amount of self-doubt. 
And, and what I'm interested in when I think about kids is I want to help them reduce their self-doubt. I want to help them be comfortable trying things where there is a, a possibility of failure and them still being willing to try with ease. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and uh, I can tell you a lot of adults don't feel that way at all. They get paralyzed with the thought of failure. Yeah. I think that's a whole nother show we'll have to do on that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole nother that's a whole nother you know, detour off our path to bliss that we're walking through in, in our there you go. life that we live. Now, we'll do one just coming, on parenting. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now we're coming to the end of the show. And um I wanna know, um, just one last question here. Um <laughs> And um, how can I phrase this? Is there anything that can prevent us from becoming emotionally resilient? Um, Sure. What prevents us from becoming emotionally resilient Mm -hmm. is resistance. Um, Mm -hmm. And this idea of, you know, um, victimhood prevents us from becoming emotionally resilient. And so becoming emotionally resilient is a decision that we make that say okay that says okay I'm done I'm done being a victim. I'm done being at the mercy of events and people. Mhm. Just done. And so you know if you're not done you're still playing the role of a victim. So basically let go of the victimhood. Yeah, let go. Let go. You're done. You're responsible for your own happiness. Take responsibility. Stop being a victim. Over. Love it. Absolutely love it. Great way to close out the show. So that was fabulous, Kim. I want you to tell people how they can get more of you. If you guys out there, if Kim sparks any curiosity in you, if you want to reach out and touch her, if you want to learn how to journal, if you want to, you know, help, if you want her to help you to become emotionally resilient, if you want to know more about really what that is, we just kind of scratched the surface for you. Kim, tell them how they can get more of you. Okay. The best thing to do is to go to frameofmindcoaching.com and check out the site. There are a couple of assessments you can take. I encourage you to do that and just explore. And then if you want to reach out to me directly, it's Kim at frameofmindcoaching.com. And Kim, you do work with corporate. You you are willing to work with corporations and big organ, you know, organizations. Oh yes, I, I do a lot of that. Okay, so if you guys out there, any corporate people, if you would like to bring her in to, you know, train, help your whatever your team, your division, your department, whatever it may be, to become emotional resilient, so that you guys can operate at a better level, functionally well as a team, and just really raise each other up like that. I always say like the balloon bouquet, as one as the balloon at the top rises, so does all the other balloons, and it's such a beautiful experience when you can do that with your group, your team, your people, your, your employees, your corporation. Um, Kim is available for that as well, so please reach out to her at frameofmindcoaching.com or you can send her something in a personal email at Kim at frameofmindcoaching.com, and she'd be more than willing to help you all to become emotionally resilient so that we can all live better, be better, feel better, do better, think better, and just be phenomenal. So, Kim, I would 
like to thank you for being a guest on the show. You are absolutely sensational. And I know the listeners got a lot from you because I did. It was just really, really, just really fascinating to me, um, some of the things you said and, and how we can apply them in our lives. And so thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. It was an absolute pleasure, and I hope that we get a chance to do it again. Yeah, you never. You, we brought up another topic, parenting. So you know, we you never know what may happen in this big bad world, big bad brave bold world that is absolutely fabulous. <laughs> yeah, I look forward um, to I look forward to dancing with you again. Oh yes, I love to dance. So I've, I've got my big girl shoes on, and we're, and we were, we just did the tango, or maybe it was the salsa. I don't know, but I'm feeling really good and very emotional, resilient. So thank you so much, and to all the listeners out there, I wanted to say thank you so much for listening. I love you all. I love bringing my guests to you, and as you see, um, time after time after time again, I bring you know, try to bring the most fabulous people in the world in the world to you because it's all about helping you to be the best that you can be. And so it's time for me to say goodbye for now. But as you know, I'm Rochelle Lawson, the queen of feeling fabulous. And as always, I'm wishing you peace to your mind, wellness to your body, and tranquility to your spirit. And until next week, have a fabulous, fabulous rest of your week. Take good care, everyone, and bye for now. You can find out more about Rochelle on her website, Rochelle Lawson, R-O-C-H-E-L-E Lawson, L-A-W-S-O-N, or at healthhealingwellness.com, or just click on her websites from the webtalkradio.net page right in front of you. And of course, you'll want to come right back here next week for another episode of Blissful Living. Thanks for joining us.